Welcome to the Crazy Dre Podcast Show, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. This is your main man, a.k.a. Crazy Crockett. That's me, baby. A.k.a. Andre's Podcast, brought to you by Brusprout, the distribution center of all podcasts, or just a platform to broadcast other people like myself's podcast. I know I only got a couple of people out there that listen to my podcast. I, love, I would like to thank everyone out you that are listening to this. Uh, I like to uh, thank Spotify and Apple Podcasts for for having my podcast on their platform as well. Uh, it's a it's a it's a journey to do this podcast stuff. It's somewhere it's something that I've always wanted to do. Uh, I know that previously my couple of podcasts in the in the past hasn't been about sports. Uh, one of them is about uh, Bud Light and and Heisenbush. Uh, advertising for transgenders and i i really want to talk about that as well but um the other podcast i mean the other episode that i have is about for men who are uh who are disabled who are overlooked in every way aspect of their personal uh life um when i speak of that i speak of my own experience of of uh, uh, being overlooked by many people, especially women, when it comes down to any type of relationship or any type of uh, uh, projection to having a a a consensual mate. So th- those are the two podcasts I had previously. Um, today I'm gonna go back to sports, um, but I will say this: uh, just a little brief case of that transgender. Uh, Ellen McVallery, uh, this uh, transgender has been paid by Nike and Bud Light to to promote uh, to promote Anheuser Busch's products and the Nike products. Now, a lot of us wonder what's the big deal about that. And I'm going to say this: if you try and push something to to conservative Republicans or people who are moderate conservatives. Uh, to try to make people um, accept something that they're not comfortable with, it's a bit of a it's a bit of obnoxiousness. To me, I just think so. Uh, I feel like a lot of times uh, social media will project something that's not real, and with uh and with this transgender ideology of trying to make uh, two things that they try to do. One, they try to normalize. Uh, people who are not comfortable with transgenders to be put in the mainstream as a way of saying that there are not two genetic people in the world, male and female. Uh, you don't have to be a scientist to know that that uh, men w- are born with penises and girls are born with uh, vaginas and uterus and uh, and ovaries and the sense of progress of of um of people being born or people becoming pregnant and being born that that's how they uh that's how it happens between a male and a female um that's something that you can't really disregard and pretend it doesn't exist now we can always say that people are can identify as more feminine or more masculine that's always a true statement uh you can always look at 
people like Freddie Mercury or rock star of, of of Queen, who comes off Roy Feminine and who became um who was in the bisexual homosexual person, that's possible. Uh, we know that there are some women who are more likely to to more have uh, a masculine point of view about weightlifting or fitness or something that they take upon about their brothers that they hang out with playing sports. Uh, that is possible. Um, and that in itself is quite okay. So you're, so now you're going to ask me, like, so what's, uh, so where are you going with this? Well, it takes time. It takes time for people to adjust to things that are not normal to them. Now, I don't think that we're ever going to get normalized to a point where we're going to accept people who are trying to tell little kids who are very young and very prematurely uh, undeveloped in a sense of being a full human being to tell them that they should be a transgender or they should be some form of a, of a person who's trying to identify as the opposite sex that they were born with. That's the problem that we have among people who don't believe in transgenders. Now, if you're 18 years old and you feel like you are not identifying as a man, and you want to be a transgender and turn into a woman, that's fine. But there's a, there's a, a sense of uh, being unresponsible to trying to make it normalized for, for people who are unable to, to make those lifetime decisions. I'm going to use this as an example. We don't ever normalize having kids um, see adults having sex, even heterosexual sex. Everyone know. I mean, everyone that has kids, most people that have kids under the age of 14 or 15 or even 16 years and younger, they don't want their kids to see their parents ever having sex. Or they don't want their kids to ever see other people having sex. Because the maturity level is not there. So saying that, that's why most people out there, or if not most of all of us, don't believe in transgendering people of underage who are uh, who are unable to 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 make lifetime decisions. As I look to my left outside my window, I see a bunch of these guys uh, driving their little motorcycles. And they're not even motorcycles. They're kind of like small little bikes with motors in it. So that if you, if you heard that, that's what you're hearing. So let's, let's try to talk about something different. Let's talk about the Masters. Now, John Rahm won the Masters of 2023. Brooke Kopka was a runner-up. And here's, like, here's the numbers that I figured this out. 
these are the numbers I figured out for 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 the masters and how much they made. So apparently apparently with John Rahm he well let's go with Kopka. Kopka Kopka received one point six million dollars for running up becoming in second place for the Masters of twenty twenty three. However, this is really interesting. When he signed with Liv Golf League, they signed him for a hundred million dollars. And then and then and then for his nine events with Liv Golf League in twenty twenty two Maybe part of 2023, he made 13 million dollars. Okay, think about that. Someone's gonna pay you a hundred million dollars to play about 20, 25 tournaments, and then you come to America, back to America to play. Well, there's live golf league tournaments in America as well, but you come back to the PGA for one week for the Masters. And in the Masters, he's he gets paid $1.6 Now, hypothetically, that's a lot of money. But if you're in a live golf league, you can your team can win $4 million. No, I'm sorry, your team can win about $20 million. And then you and as an individual, if you win the tournament, you can win $4 million. And this is, the Live Golf League doesn't even have majors yet. And I don't really think, that I don't know if they ever will. So, however, let's talk about Dustin Johnson. Live Golf League signed Dustin Johnson for $125 million. He then had 13 events in the Live Golf League and made $35 million. Think about that. And that is, and I think this is why a lot of people don't understand this is why golf in America, the PGA Tour, really stinks. Because you get NBA players, you get baseball players, you get NHL players, not so much NHL, but you get in the major sports, major league, NFL, NBA, you get your best athletes making a lot of money. Now, I didn't even talk about Phil Milkison. However, I will say this. Phil Milkison shot eight under the top five in the tournament of the Masters in 2023. So, Phil must have been in his best shape of his life. He must have been totally relaxed. He didn't have to talk about the competitive nature between Liv and PGA. I think that would have helped him out a lot now that he doesn't have to defend himself. And you got to remember, uh, Greg Norman and the PGA uh, uh, CEO and Greg Norman, who's a Liv CEO or more likely, more like a, the face of the CEO, the face of Liv, 
those two guys were not able to join the Masters, and those two guys were unable to participate in any type of conversation between Liv and, Liv and the PGA Tour. So that in itself helped out. I think that helped out Phil Milkinson, where he could just focus on golf. Now, my th- theory about Phil, though, is that Phil, my theory is this. Phil Mickelson knew that the PGA Senior Tour wasn't going to pay him at all. So, so Live Golf League, when they signed Phil, they paid him $138 million. And it doesn't say much about his success at the Live Golf League. So, saying that, he still gets some endorsements outside of of the PGA and and I mean the outside live golf and all that stuff in itself. But talking about endorsements, Kopka, Kopka here, he signed approximately $68 million of endorsements based on Nike and the golf ball Cyrex. And the PGA's closest person to that is Tiger Woods. And Tiger Woods approximately made $68 million of endorsements. And Roy McRoy, they say that he made about $44 million in, in golf and in endorsements. So, you get Kopka, you get Phil Milkison, those guys, and you get Dustin Johnson. Justin Johnson, uh, they signed them for $125 million for live. So, Dustin Johnson made approximately about $160 million just to, just to play with the Saudi Arabia teams. I call the Saudi Arabia teams, and I say that because it's money that's not clean. It's money that's very controversial. Yeah, you know, any money that comes from the Saudi Arabians, it's a question mark. Uh, I don't know this as for a fact, but I heard that the Germans after World War Two. They put a lot of their money into sports. <clears throat> and by doing that, they did like their own version of NASCAR, their own version of, of soccer. I mean, they played soccer or football in their, in their country. I don't know how you, you say football or soccer in German. But they put a lot of money in sports. And they bought out their contracts of of war crimes and all this other stuff that happened during World War II. So, and they had to try to rebuild the city of of Berlin as well. But I can't say much about what what is Saudi Arabia really paying for. Are they really just paying for the murder of the the journalist that decided to uh, talk uh, uh, crap against the prince of Saudi Arabia, the man that got killed in the Turkey uh, embassy. 
I can't tell you that. I don't know. But that's what I've been told by a couple people that the Sarabians are trying to make money and they're trying to pay uh, their debt off by creating a sporting events, creating a sporting leagues. Look, the Live Golf League. The Arabian group are going to put $2.4 billion into Live Golf through 2026. And out of that $2.4 billion that they're going to put into, they're going to put $370 million in their top players in Live Golf. So think about that. Think about that, folks. The PGA Tour can't even compete with that. You can't even pay Tiger Woods that much money. And I haven't even talked about Tiger Woods yet, about his performance in the Masters. But I tell you what, I tell you what, folks. Let's talk about Tiger Woods. Let's talk about his performance. He, again, is the most favorite golfer in America for some reason. I don't understand it. I think that we are, like, giving this person, Tiger Woods, way too much credit for his behavior. And everyone wants to feel sorry for him. But why would you feel sorry for somebody that would cheat on your wife or his wife multiple times, uh, drink and drive? And then, of course, he'd also had prescription drugs for his back pains or knee problems or whatever problem that he had during for back surgery, for knee surgery. But let's think about this, folks. Let's, little, let's really talk about this. There's a, there's a person in my family who approximately did it almost somewhat the same thing of Tiger Woods. Not doing the drugs, not drinking drive, but he, he cheated on someone in my, in my family. However, there are people in my family that love Tiger Woods, just love him. And I can't fathom to realize why would you like somebody that did exactly the same thing as your relations and you have butt feelings about it. You get butt hurt about it. You get flustered about it. You don't even you go out of your way not to talk to that person because they cheated on someone that you loved. But for the rest of the public, how do you how do you give someone so much lean way for not being able to go get real help? I'm gonna say this first, folks. Should have said this in the beginning. I really do think that Tiger Woods need to he really needs to get help. I think he might he just might have his his sex addiction. Or he might be on prescription drugs that he becomes addicted to. 
or he might have a drinking problem. Let's hope he doesn't have any of those problems. Or let's hope he does have those problems. So that way he can get the proper help. Now, if he doesn't have those problems, then you might want to consider him as a sociopath. and Someone that is very self-centered. Someone that's willing to manipulate other people to feel sorry for him to get what he wants. That's basically the source of my point of view. I don't know. I don't know if I can tell you the truth and say that I feel bad for him. He makes so much money off endorsements. He still, he still gets a lot of help from other people. He still makes a lot of money from other places. But I don't understand why we give so much credit for someone that's not a great human being. He used to be a good golfer. He used to be a good golfer, but he's now he's not. So what are you going to do? I guess you got to leave the guy alone. And I don't know when he's coming back. I don't know when he's not, when he's playing again. Uh, again, it was quite a disappointment I, I, for his behalf, for his knee giving out, his back probably in pain. So I do feel bad in some regards for that. I mean, no one should be in pain, but I mean, I mean, you almost have to be in the point of view of of just retiring, and maybe you're not going to get that 18th uh, major, or maybe or maybe you're not going to get the 15 or 16 major either. But you know, I really do wish that people would really be more concerned about Tiger Woods' health than his performance on the golf course. Because I said this before, and I say this again, something really happened when his dad died. His dad was the balance of his life. His dad kept Tiger Woods in a sense of direction that he needed. So, when you're someone like Tiger Woods, who or who's your father teaches you play golf from the time that you're three years old, and he showboats you around, and he throws you around like a circus clown, and you're supposed to perform for all these people that you don't know, and he gives you a strict protocol platform to go by. So when you get out out of school, you go golfing. When you go, so when you go on the weekends, when you don't play with your friends, you go golfing. Everything was around golf, golf, golf. All right, and maybe Tiger Woods loved golf. By the way, the videos show the 1970s and the early 80s of him golfing with his dad and showing him showing on TV. He looks like he loved it. But a lot of times, when you're five years old, you don't want to disappoint your dad or your mom or any of your parents. So you kind of go along with it. And even if you are a good player, you, you, you're going to want to put some emphasis 
because your mom and dad are there to watch you. So when, by the time Tiger Woods gets to be a, a younger teenager, he's going to make the high school golf team. He's already participating in certain golf leagues that are age limit to his age. Uh, the focus is still there. Uh, he wins his first Masters soon after he he turns like 20, 21 or whatever. I think he was the young one of the youngest players to win the Masters at age 20. And he blew everyone out of the water. Everyone out of the water. The best thing that ever happened in golf for the PGA Tour at the time was Tiger Woods. It really was. It was the greatest thing for golf at the time. He made it exciting. He hit the ball further. He just, he hit good putts. He was in control. And the best way to put it is that the master of the puppets saw him from Metallica. So, so you have to understand that Tiger Woods is a puppet and his dad is the master. And the master of the puppet means that he tells Tiger Woods what to do nonstop. On stop. Everything's got to be just the way Mr. Woods wants it to be. And any time that Tiger Woods will be a little bit off key, his parents and his dad will put him back on the course. Not, not on the golf course, but the course of life. Now, this is usually, to me, this is what usually happens. The father is very self-disciplined. He's a military guy. He has A, B, C, D rules. And then he has a son or a daughter. And his son and daughter are very good at sports. And then his son and daughter, they become obsessed with the sport because his dad or his mom want him to play the sport or they see the enjoyment of their parents seeing their son succeed. And what you're really doing is almost brainwashing that person to think that that's the only way that you're going to get love by your parents, by doing exactly what they want you to do. And your father is the one that's giving you the golf balls and the golf clubs and the golf bags and then dress you up like a golfer, like a real PGA golfer. And he dresses you up like Jack Nicklaus and Chichi Rodriguez and, and all these other golfers from the 70s and the 80s. And then that happens, right? And by the time he gets into the Masters and by the time he wins his first major, and then one day his dad dies. And his whole rock, Mr. Woods was Tiger Woods' rock. His, his establishment. His, his point of living. The only person that Tiger Woods ever wanted to please was his dad. And by doing that, it was through golf and only golf. So did his dad fail him as a parent to show Tiger Woods that it doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you are at golf, he would still love him no matter what? Did he fail him? He might have. I can't tell you that because I wasn't there. Okay, folks. But I'm going to tell you that 
if you are a parent and you have a son and you have a daughter who takes your kids to travel leagues and let's say he's a pretty good baseball player and he's always playing in the backyard and then one day you say, well, instead of putting him in Little League Baseball, he likes the sport so much, it's time to put him in Travel League. And he has a lot of fun. And you know what? I'm going to tell you this. If you have your son or daughter in Travel League from the time they're 8 years old, from the time that they're 11 years old or 12 years old, you can only throw the ball the baseball or the softball a certain way. You can't throw curveballs. You can't throw sliders. The ball has to be thrown right down the middle. So it's got to be basically a fastball or as hard as a kid can throw. And that in itself is not even a good uh, as, uh, it's not even a good way of looking at if your son and daughter are good at a softball or baseball because the ball is going to be right down the middle every time. Now, if he has bad eye-hand coordination, he's not going to be able to hit the ball coming down 35, 30 miles an hour at 9, 10, 11 years old. Okay? So when you get to the point of being 13, 14 years old, it's when you're allowed to throw something other than the fastball down the middle. You can throw a curveball, a slider, or whatever. However, most minor league pitchers, coaches in the minor league, they teach you two th- teach you two things about throwing a baseball, throwing a fastball and throwing a curveball. And those are the two first pitches that you have to learn. And they have to be in command. Okay? So when you go tell your son to join a travel league you put him in these these cute little outfits that look like major league baseball you're putting so much pressure on that child to perform because he knows that his parents just paid two hundred dollars for the uniform and then all the travel stuff that they go through all that stuff that they had to do okay now i'm getting to about 30 minutes of of this podcast I'm not going to go much further because then it just sounds like I'm raggling on. But I'm going to say this, folks. If you think that your son and daughter needs to be in a travel league to make a high school team just because the coaches don't like you or your son and your son or your daughter has never done nothing to the coach of that baseball team, the high school baseball team, and he's not a jerk to you, then it's not your fault. Then you have to realize this. If your son and daughter doesn't make the baseball team and you did all that traveling stuff, it's because your son and daughter daughter are not good at baseball or not good enough at playing baseball. And there's always going to be politics in sports. There's always, people are always going to say, well, my son's not going to make the baseball team if he doesn't join a travel league and I really want to make the baseball team well let me tell you something if your son's that good he's going to make the team he just is and if there are other schools within that same district that you live in you can send them there you can send them to another school 
and have a, the other pitching coach and other batting coaches watch him. And I'm guarantee you, if you sunk and hit a 80, 82 mile hour fastball in high school, then you're going to have a good advantage. You just really are. But don't think that if you're going to have your son and daughter join the travel league, he's just going to make it to the into the high school baseball team and make the majors. You're taking the fun out of everything. Don't take the fun out of playing sports. Playing sports and playing different sports teaches your, teaches your child that he's able to adjust through life, that some things don't work out, so you move on to the next good thing. If that thing doesn't work out, maybe go back to the thing that you first love. But that means if your son doesn't make the baseball team, maybe he'll become a baseball coach, or maybe he'll become a good manager at a school or a, a, a or at a warehouse or a factory or be a, a a doctor or a team lead or whatever. That's what sports is supposed to do for most kids. Teach them how to work together with people that they enjoy to be with and not to and the people that they don't like. That's what playing sports really teaches kids teamwork and getting the job done some of us play nine innings and some of us play eight hours a day and other ones we play we work to 12 hour shifts but saying that i'm gonna leave it right there folks i just hope you people understand that sports is supposed to be fun it's not it's not supposed to be a lifetime job it's supposed to be a a point of your life where you're going to participate and remember when you were much younger how great it was to play sports and when you're old and crusty you can look back and say that was a lot of fun so amen to sports amen to everything that sports have taught all all of us to have enjoyment to compete uh play fair play nice don't take life too seriously it's just a team i got my oakland a's hat on today I'm like 3,000 miles away from Oakland. So if you like this, if you like listening to this podcast, I'd like to thank you all for listening to it. This is the Crazy Dre Podcast Show brought to you by Busprouts.com, a distribution center for all the podcasters out there. They're starting out. I would strongly suggest con- connecting with Busprout. Uh, of course, I'd like to thank Apple Podcasts. Spotify podcasts and other podcast uh, platforms that I'm on. I'm not going to name them all. Uh, I like to thank my listeners out there. Uh, uh, and uh, if you got any questions, contact me at the Crazy Dre Podcast Show at gmail dot com. Uh, peace and love. I'm out of here. <laughs>